Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Yeah, I was speaking at this uh, at this camp, and um, or as we call it, the hotel. <laughs> I was speaking at the camp, and um, uh, I was told not to be too long because it was the last night, and everyone wanted to go home, and all of that. Well, I think well, if it's the last night, we better stay as long as we can. Because we're going home in a minute. Right? We're going back to Judge Rinder tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, so, um, but I really wanted the Lord to touch the people, you know. And so uh, just right at the end, I saw it's, it's a sign when the staff of the organization start moving around. That means they want it to end. <laughs> and so some of them came and sat in the front row, you know, meaning shut up. And I think they felt that the sermon had turned into a bit of a hostage situation. <laughs> and uh, you, could, you could hear the police outside, you know, been preaching some time, and you could hear the police, what are your demands, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I just wanted the Lord to, you know, to touch the people. And so just because I knew we had to end, and uh, I knew that, as with many of these things, we all face difficult lives. Is that right? And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we face difficult lives. Not just, the Holy Spirit is not just really about what goes on in the church. We need the Holy Spirit later on this evening, don't we? And, you know, tomorrow. And uh, so I said, why doesn't everybody stand up? So everyone stood up. I said, just take the hand of the person next to you. And I just pray that God will give you joy. Well, <laughs> he did, you know. <laughs> For one hour, 15 minutes. And that's a long time. That's like almost 25% of a Lord of the Rings film. It's, it was a long time. And I just thought, this is just never going to end. And there was nothing funny. And, uh, but people were leaping around and dancing. And for an hour and a quarter. That's, that's, that's a lot. They were all so glad they wore their Fitbits. What I might do is, at the end of this sermon, I might say, let's all stand, and I might pray, all right? <laughs> let's see. Praise God. Well, why don't we have the slides, guys? Uh, Transformed is the series, and uh, let's just have these first couple of slides. These are the general texts, aren't they, that you've been using? So I'm going to use the screen to read them. Do not conform to the pattern of this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an instruction to us. God doesn't do that. We cooperate with that, don't we? Uh, and that way we'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is. And then the, the verse from John 16, which I'll refer to a little bit later on today. It's for your good, says Jesus, I'm going away. Because unless I go, then the, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Today I want to uh, finish this series, grateful to Pastor Phil for the opportunity to come here today. So Phil, if you're listening to this on the download, God bless you, and uh, you're missing a great meeting. Uh, I want to finish this series. I know Phil's been taking characters from Acts, and so my character is, funny enough, Philip. <laughs> uh, Philip the Evangelist. And uh, so if you have a Bible, have a look in Acts chapter 8 as we begin our thoughts today on relationship with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8 and verses, uh, well, a few verses in this chapter, beginning in verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went, and Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the, the Christ or the Messiah there. 
When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. Can I just interrupt there? The signs and wonders are for the purpose of grabbing the attention of people so they pay more close attention to what we have to say. Right? Can anyone tell me the point of the burning bush? None. It didn't even burn the bush. <laughs> no, no. It's too early for that. The point of the burning bush was to attract the attention of the man who needed to hear the voice of God. And so the miraculous attracts the attention. When I was in Brazil, I used to come to the platform and I would begin each service by saying, before I preach, I will now show you a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is before I preached. And then what would happen is God would heal maybe about six or seven people before I preached. And there was method in that. The idea was, now you'll listen to what I've got to say. Right? I've already demonstrated that what I'm saying has authority. And this happened night after night after night. And I remember the interpreters, you know, Normally, young girls who learn English by watching Marvel movies <laughs> and Hillsong lyrics. And I say, now I will show you the power. And they're looking at me like, will you? <laughs> I never knew what they said. Maybe, they, maybe if I heard it in Portuguese, they said, and now he, he may show you. So Philip went down and had this amazing time of Holy Spirit power with shrieks. Evil or impure spirits came out of many. Many paralytics were healed and there was great joy in that city. And in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And as he started out on his way, He met an Ethiopian eunuch who was an important official in charge of all the treasury at Kandake, or sometimes we say Candice, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home. was sitting in his chariot. See, see, there you go. See, there were were hold-ups on the M1 even (laughs) in those days. He's on the A14. Um, Yeah. So he's in his chariot, and he's reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And really, I want to preach from just this verse now, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah. In those days, you didn't read in your head. You always read out loud, you see. And, uh, and he says, so do you understand what this is? Just that one line, the Spirit said to Philip, is that right? Said to Philip, the Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot. First of all, can we maybe knock a bad idea on the head? Let's knock the idea on the head that Philip had the gift of hearing from God. Can we just knock that idea on the head? That Philip had some sort of special 5G, (laughs) presumably not put in by China, (laughs) but some sort of special uh, 5G with heaven that no one else had. I want to suggest to you, and and I hope to show you this today, that the reason why the Philip that Philip heard the voice of the Spirit was because Philip was used to hearing the voice of the Spirit, because Philip made 
full room for the voice and the presence of the Spirit in his life. Everyone will know people who phone you up. And I know times have changed, but do you remember the days when when somebody phoned you, a giant black thing rang in your house? And you couldn't know who it was ringing. You remember that? You know, we were all much more used to the gifts of the Spirit then. We used to ask lords for words of knowledge. Lord, should I answer this call? Who's phoning me? We were much more dynamic in those days. Now you can see. But, but we'll all know that thing where somebody phones you and as soon as you hear their voice, you know who they are. And the reason why you know who they are is because you've spoken to them before. You see. So Philip has a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, he has developed in that relationship to trust him, to know his voice, to know what to do. I hope you noticed that as soon as the Spirit spoke to him, it says he ran to the chariot. I better obey now. You know, uh, and maybe, you know, sometimes we see these people as superheroes. But maybe, just like you and me, Philip knew that if I don't run, I might disobey. <laughs> you know, so I better get on with obeying God. If I give myself time to think about it, I'll think of a hundred reasons why I shouldn't go to this, you know, chariot here. So he, when he hears the voice of God, he runs to obey This can't possibly be just for Philip. This must be for you. This must be for me, don't you think? That we all, in the, in the kindness and graciousness and, you know, splendorful mercy of God, are able to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, a relationship is not a gift. A relationship is about time and effort and energy and response and dialogue. A relationship with the Holy Spirit will not occur through the laying on of hands. Will it? It's something that will take place uh, whether you are in the greatest of charismatic churches or the or the or the coldest, less sort of spiritually Pentecostal church ever doesn't really make any difference. In fact, you can be in the hottest Pentecostal church singing about the Holy Spirit and not really know Him at all. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? And so we're talking about something that happens in the church, but but by and large outside the church, really, in our in our private life, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing to say about the Holy Spirit is that he is a person. So, so just, and, and I know that maybe theologically everyone in this room will think, yeah, well, I know that. But actually, a lot of our terminology doesn't really help us with this. So, so we, we ask God that, that, I don't know, that the fire will fall. Well, what's that? I mean, can you imagine someone who didn't understand this terminology walking by the building, listening, and people are praying that, that there'll be a fire today? You can't have a word with your insurers. I think perhaps you need to pay a bit more than you do. Um, I know, but I just feel like I have a bit more. Um, or we talk about, well, I really felt the glory today. Did you feel the glory? Ah, oh, I felt the glory. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's, it's fine, these are, these are biblical terms. But they're not always helpful, are they, in helping us understand that we're talking about a person. There are not four people in the Trinity. There's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the anointing. <laughs> right? We'll talk about the anointing in a minute and hopefully say something helpful about that. 
When the wind blew through the upper room or wherever it was on the day of Pentecost, the wind was not the Holy Spirit. The wind wasn't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He, he, he came down from heaven like a dove. The Holy Spirit is no more a dove than Jesus is a lion. Right? It's just a metaphor. It's an image to help us understand. The Holy Spirit is like a fire. Oh, he sure is. The Holy Spirit is like a wind. Sometimes he's like a wine. We'll say more about that in about half an hour. But sometimes he's, he's like that. But he's not any of these things. These are just things that, that describe the indescribable. He's a person. Now, I just want to read a little bit of John. I'm not going to make any apology for reading a bit of the Bible. Because actually more important than your experience with the Spirit is your theology of the Spirit. I'll tell you why. Because some people don't feel anything. Right? So even in churches like this, there will be people today who won't have felt anything. You might you feel hungry. You feel bored. You feel cold. You feel hot. You know. But, but you, won't have, you won't feel anything. Can I just encourage you? There's a lot of feeling going on. And, and I hope you do feel something. But the only thing you're required in the Bible to feel is compassion. Everything else is a bonus. Right? Everything else is just a bonus. What's not, it's not important. It's not ultimately important that you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. What's ultimately important is that you believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because, of course, if you, f- if you live by feelings, what happens when you don't feel his presence? Then all of a sudden you start coming to pastoral counseling. Oh, God's left me. In fact, all that's left you is the adrenaline. <laughs> I wonder if we can tell the difference between the anointing and adrenaline. I, I bet they feel quite similar, Right? There's an atmosphere at a Robbie Williams concert. There's a, there's, a, there's a fervor at the Royal Albert Hall on the last night of the proms. There's an atmosphere. It's not the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the euphoric adrenaline of being in a crowd together. So, so uh, I'm not taking anything away from feelings. But actually our theology is, is much more important. In the prophets, it says this, if we do not stand by faith, we will not stand at all. So, the Holy Spirit as a person, charismatic language is wonderful, but it's not always helpful uh, to this. Because we end up thinking of the Holy Spirit as someone that we might have some interaction with at some sort of event, right? rather than the God who we get to take home with us at the end, and the God who we bring with us at the beginning. John chapter 14. I'm just going to read a little bit of John, first of all. John 14, and some of the texts I think will come up. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. I want everyone to look at me. Forever. Well, I, I've had a bad week. I, I'm morally bereft. No. Forever. Well, I feel God's left me. No. You may have broken your vows to him, but he doesn't break his vow to you. I've heard preaching where if you do a certain thing, you sin in a certain way, you bet, you know, well, the Holy Spirit will lift off you. Uh, listen, you, that's Old Testament stuff. In the New Testament, the promise of the Spirit is that he is with us forever. In John's Gospel, it says when the, the Spirit came down on Jesus, you'll know, John said, you'll know he's the Messiah because upon whom the Spirit 
comes down and abides, stays, remains, moves in. He's moved in. Say, well, doesn't it say he can be grieved? Of course he can be grieved. He's grieved because he moved in. Now look, the world can't accept him because it can't see him. Well, that's true, isn't it? We can't see him. So in the world, if you can't see it, it's not there. Right? I mean, I can't see Brexit, but it does seem to be around. (laughs) Or does it? I'm worried about the backstop. I've no idea what that means. (laughs) Got enough problems in a backyard. The world can't accept him. It doesn't see him. So it it doesn't know him. But Jesus said, "But, but you know him. And then he makes this amazing comment to the disciples. Because he he lives with you and he's going to be in you. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. You're not supposed to do Christianity alone. You're supposed to have a father. Now, I'm not speaking now of of God the Father, but you're supposed to have a father in the form of the Holy Spirit who comes to help you and be your advocate. All this I've spoken, Jesus says, but the the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all things. And he's going to remind you of all sorts of things. That's not something that a wind can do, is it? A fire can't really do a lot of reminding. A glory doesn't teach. That's just an experience. We're talking here about a mentor, an invisible, fatherly mentor who's going to remind us of things. I think we might need him. (laughs) So John 14 and then 26, 15, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. I want you to notice all these things that are sort of to do with him talking to us and instructing us and teaching us. Listen, you can have a good fall on the floor and, and maybe God is powerfully at work in that. You can shake and rattle and roll. And you will. But ultimately, he hasn't really come to do those. He's come to teach things. Guide us into things. He's come to be your... People talk about, well, so-and-so is my spiritual father. And I, I appreciate those sorts of comments. But actually, there's only really one spiritual father. The spirit sent from the father. Is the spiritual father. Well, a little bit more of uh, a little bit more of John, John's Gospel, chapter sixteen. A bit more of a longer reading here. I tell you, it's for your good I'm going away. If I don't go away, Jesus said, this Holy Spirit won't be able to come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I want you to notice in in this little bit of the Bible. Let me just do a little bit of Bible stuff for you here. John does something interesting in the original. Greek text autograph that we don't see. We have the English here. But John does something interesting in the original Greek autograph. That's, that's odd. He actually breaks the rules of grammar here. Because uh, you may know that certain languages put certain words into masculine and feminine and neuter. It doesn't really, you know, a lemon is not a woman. Right? Any more than a goat is a man. 
All right. I know you've met a few men who you thought were goats, but that's, <laughs> that's a matter. But that's, not, but that's not a science. It's just your experience. So there are certain words, aren't there, that in certain languages are placed in either masculine or feminine. Well, well, the word spirit is a, in Greek would be a neuter word, not masculine or feminine, but neuter, like, like, like an it. But again, it doesn't mean that the spirit is an it. It's just part of the language. But so uh, determined is John to confirm to us that the Holy Spirit has a masculine uh, uh, aspect that he breaks the grammar here. And so that's why in many of the modern versions, they're very clear. When he comes, I'll send him to you. He will do this, you see. Because John has done that. Now, now I mark papers. I mark academic papers. I'd have to give John here a bad grade for this chapter. Well, th- this isn't good grammar. But so moved by the Spirit to do this is John, that that's how it comes out. There's nothing it about the Holy Spirit. He is indeed a he. In fact, there's a beautiful line here. Even this word, the advocate. Ton parakleton in Greek. Uh, The way that the construction is and just for the sake of time I'll touch this and go without much explanation you'll just have to trust me uh, I'm not a doctor but I have I have recently been to the doctor <laughs> that the the word used around the word paracleton or, or the or the advocate is 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 a word that means one of exactly the same kind So when Jesus speaks about, I will send you another counselor, that word another, you could almost put it like this, the other one. The one that's exactly the same as the first one. Say, well, what's the Holy Spirit like? He's just like Jesus. Somebody once asked Jesus, show us the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, uh, this isn't a verse of text, but, it, but, it's, but it's true nevertheless. If you've seen Jesus, then you have seen the Spirit as well. I wonder what he's like. Well, he's exactly like Jesus. Let's go to this next slide, John 16 and 10, 11. Uh, he's come to convince the word of sin, righteousness and judgment. I have much more to say to you, says Jesus, more you can bear. But when he, there's that breaking of the grammar again. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's a phenomenal promise. Now, of course, you've got to be willing to be guided. Right? You've got to have that relationship to be guided. Otherwise, you'll be guided in all sorts of places. Even through some bad Christian TV programs, you could be guided to the wrong places. But he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears. He'll tell you what's yet to come. He'll glorify me because it is from me, Jesus speaking, it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is the voice of Jesus Christ into the world today. In the letters in Revelation, we are told clearly that Jesus appears to John and says, right, I want you to write my message to these seven churches. But in each case, as Jesus speaks to the seven churches, each of those letters finishes with this. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit Spirit is saying to the churches. So the Spirit is the voice and the power of Jesus. And yet he is a distinct personality. Different 
So let's look at a few of these. Ephesians 4. He has a personality. Just move us along, if you will, at the back there. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's sort of sensitive. He's sort of sensitive. It was R.T. Kendall who told the story of how they were in a, I forget where it was, but they were abroad from the UK and they were in like a, like a summer house or something. And they noticed that a, that a dove uh, used to uh, come into the trees or something and they thought it was lovely. In fact, I think they were on some sort of mission because as I recall the book, they sort of felt it was confirmation that they should be there. Oh, there's a dove. Hallelujah. You know. Don't know what they'd have done if it was a blackbird, but anyway. <laughs> a squirrel. Oh no, we're in the wrong place here. But they, they took it as confirmation they're in the right place, you know, that God was with them. Well, great. But what they noticed was this, that if they made a noise in the house, if they were banging and clattering and whatever, then the dove would, you know, be easily disturbed and would sort of fly away. And uh, so they realized very quickly that if they wanted the dove to really bless them and really have that sense of being overwhelmingly present with them, then the dove wasn't going to change for them. They were going to have to change to accommodate the dove, you know. Now, we're not talking about, again, the Holy Spirit coming and going, leaving us in that way. But there is a sense that we have to be sensitive to him and careful with him. We're not, we, we're not to grieve him. Can you say amen? amen? We're not to grieve him. And I really want to encourage you, when you think about sin, when you think about how to live your life, don't so much think about it necessarily as, well, if I do this, God will be, will judge me. Or God will be angry with me. But rather, the, the Christian life is, is really about pleasing the Lord. Isn't it? Can I say this? I don't go and do Ouija boards. Not because I'm frightened of demonism but because I want to please the Lord. Right, right, you get that? It's not about, well, I might make room for the enemy. Well, I might. But that's not really what it's about. We live a life that wants to please the Lord. Well, part of the Holy Spirit's personality is that he can be grieved. You can tell lies to him, can't you? Isn't that the next one in Acts 5, I think? Ananias. You remember Ananias and Sapphira brought an offering? If Dave was a bit dodgy on it. Remember that? They hadn't really given all they said. And here's this amazing line from Peter. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. And we haven't got it here, but in the next couple of lines it said, you've not lied to men, but to God. Again, you can't lie to a gust of wind. You can't lie to a fire. You can't lie to new wine. You can only lie to a person. And they had lied to the Holy Spirit. So Peter is very conscious that the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And in this couple's financial dealings, that the Holy Spirit had been just as present while they cooked up this plan away from the church meeting as it happening in the meeting. You've, you've lied, he says, to the Holy Spirit. and You've kept for yourself something of this land. The Holy Spirit has, has a mind. Uh, a little piece of 1 Corinthians 2, I think, is who knows a person's thoughts says Paul, except their own spirit within them. And sometimes, <laughs> even our own spirit doesn't know what we're thinking, does it? But anyway, who knows what we're really thinking except our inner self, you know? 
And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God, but the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit thinks. He's, he's got a mind. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, where Paul talks about the distribution of the spiritual gifts, he says each of these gifts is, you know, allocated as the Spirit determines. And so there you have the Holy Spirit as the one uh, determining who will receive certain abilities. What, listen, watch me now. Whatever life gift ability you've got, whether you perceive it to have come since you became a Christian or whether you perceive that certain talents and attributes and gifts you were kind of born with, these have been given to you either at conversion or at your baptism in the Holy Ghost or even from birth by the Spirit. The Spirit was part of your creation in your mother's womb. And while you were being fashioned and shaped in your mother's womb, to some measure, I know other abilities come later, but to some measure, he put some of those talents right in you, right there. Why? So that you'd get a career or you'd be, feel good about yourself? No, for the glory of Jesus Christ. To be used for his kingdom of his glory. Hallelujah. But here, our, our thought is really just to do with the Holy Spirit having the ability to make decisions. This, this sounds like a personality or a person to me. And he's a teacher and a guide. Well, we read all of those from John, didn't we? That he leads us and guides us. He, he's the spirit of truth. He's not the spirit of entertainment. He wants to bring truth. So whatever he does is to bring truth, right? We're supposed to have this relationship with him. Can I say something a bit stronger and you won't be angry with me? You're supposed to have a loving relationship with him. Not a prostitute style relationship with him. One of the dangers of the Pentecostal church is we hire him in for half an hour for our pleasure. Come on. And our entertainment. I've reflected on this for a long time because I've tried to remain true to my Pentecostal roots. I'm aware that churches all over, uh, some have turned to more entertainment forms of Sunday mornings. Slick and groovy. When the Holy Spirit made me grooviness, I did not receive. And some did, I know. I'm more gravy. And sometimes I've, over the years, I've got cross with churches that went for, oh, they've lost the Holy Spirit. They just want to entertain the people, preach things they want to hear, make sure everyone's happy, make sure it's short. Sometimes the church is so short you think you've gone through a McDonald's drive through <laughs> on a busy day. You've still come out with a paper straw. And so over the years I've got cross with that. But actually sometimes we are just, if that is bad, uh, and uh, you may not think that, but if that is bad, sometimes we are just as bad as them. Because what we want is we want to see God move in order that we might be entertained, that we might enjoy our church more. We are, we're no different. That's why we must say, Lord, whatever you want to do, you are the spirit of truth. Change us. He brings forth fruit in our lives of love and joy and peace, and kindness and goodness. This is his work. He doesn't come to be the greatest showman on a Sunday. But we must be very careful about that. Otherwise, we're just using him like a prostitute. We have no relationship with him. We only call his name when we want him. 
Everyone understand? So it's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us. So he can be, he can be upset. He can be lied to. He has a mind. He has a will. He speaks. He teaches. He guides. He prays. Romans 8. He prays. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Newsflash, this has nothing to do with speaking in tongues. When you speak in tongues, that's you praying. This is him praying now. He's praying through wordless groans or groans that cannot be uttered, whatever the King James says. Something like that, isn't it? And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. There is a level of prayer going on for you that you know nothing about that's going on with him. He's interceding for you and me. Nothing to do with it. Now, now, we intercede too. But that's the most amazing thing about prayer. We are never called to pray alone, ever. Jesus calls us to pray with him. And the Spirit calls us to pray with him. But whenever we pray, the Almighty is also praying. Who knows the things he's been praying about. That's why so many weird things go on in your life. That's true. Because someone greater than you is praying prayers that you wouldn't pray. How many times have you gone into your room and said, oh Lord, please, I know we want to move immediately, but please don't let this house sell. How many times have you gone through that and said, Lord, do you know what I could do with right now? Three weeks of illness. Please send it quickly. This, I mean, if you want that, just go through that drive through I spoke about. But... Uh, but all sorts of terrible things happen in our life, right? That we think are terrible. I mean, things that we wouldn't have chosen. But maybe the Spirit is choosing them. You say, well, how can you say that? Because when Jesus received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, if we want to call it that, in Mark's Gospel, immediately it says, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. The first thing that happened was the Spirit took him into a place he didn't really want to be. And I've often used this illustration. I'll use it again. Of course, when we speak in a, to pray in a tongue, we pray in the will of God. And oh, oh, how enlightening it would be if only we knew what we were praying. Like the girl who wants to get married to Jeffrey. Oh Lord, I love Jeffrey. I want to marry Jeffrey. Jeffrey's the man for me. Oh, and if, it, and if it could be interpreted, if you interpret it, you know, say, cancel that. <laughs> that funny phrase you say in tongues all day, do you know what the interpretation is? Cancel that. Cancel the lot of it. Return to sender. Cancel this Amazon order. Jeffrey must not arrive. <laughs> Send him to the neighbour. Have the neighbour sign for him. And he loves. Romans fifteen thirty. He loves. The love of the Spirit. So let me begin to draw to a close because we want to pray, don't we? Steve, I want you to help me. Can you help me? I want you to play the Holy Spirit in the little drama we're going to do. Why don't you give Steve a round of applause? I just looked around and I thought, who looks like the Holy Spirit the most? I want you to know it was a close-run thing with Lee Tilbury. <laughs> so the reason I want Steve to stand is because there's this, uh, he's a person, the Holy Spirit. So the danger is when we talk about what the Holy Spirit is around, 
we think of some sort of, you know, windy color. I know you like the Empire Strikes Back, but he's not the force. He's not the force. He's a person. He's a person who loves. He can, he can decide things. He prays. He gets upset. He's sensitive. Right? He teaches. He wants to be your father. And it's incredible, really, when you hear people say... Do you know what we've got to do in our life? We've got to make more room for the Holy Spirit. What pipe are you smoking? <laughs> we've got to make all room for the Holy Spirit. Well, we've got to make more room. I'm going to make more room for him. Give him a bit more time. But most of the time, I'm just going to be on the internet talking to my auntie Nora about what I should do. We've got to make more room. No, we've got to make all room. Because as Jesus said, he comes to glorify Jesus. He's going to tell us things that Jesus wants us to hear. So I want you to imagine the first time you met him. So I want, would you just go and stand near Patience Tilbury, actually? Because I can just see her sitting there looking like she needs God. <laughs> So I wanted to imagine that patience is not, it's not a Christian at all. And I've deliberately chosen her for this role. I wanted to imagine that she's been brought along to some event. And, and I'm the evangelist. And so as the evangelist, I'm here speaking. And of course I've prepared and I've, put, I've created some stories. Because my job as an evangelist, I'm in the communication business. So communicating is my business. We make no apology to be prepared or gifted for such events. But ultimately, don't you know, Jesus said, didn't he, that, that, that we must be born again and only spirit can give birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. So if all that's happening with patience is that I am persuading her to be a Christian. Then someone else can come along tomorrow and dispersuade her, unpersuade her, right? Persuade her of something else. Or something terrible can happen in her life that causes her to change her mind. So, Steve, just sort of stand, stand behind her. So I want you to imagine while I'm preaching, just put your hand on her shoulders or something like that. You know, something's happening to her. Her heart is beating. But it's not because I'm a skillful speaker. It's because he has come to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. If he's not doing it, nothing's happening. We're no different to a, to a political gathering or a Shakespearean uh, speech down Shaftesbury Avenue. Or the comedy club. With just a guy standing up or a girl talking to a crowd. Somebody came up to my pastor when I was young. Or younger. <laughs> I was never young. And she said, Pastor, I hope nothing supernatural is going to happen in the church today. And he looked at her like, he said, but if nothing supernatural is going to happen today, then nothing is going to happen today. Nothing of any merit. So while I'm preaching, he is convicting her, speaking to her. She doesn't understand everything about... She's not suddenly got a download of every theological idea. She, she's still not sure about what she thinks about certain issues. But the Spirit is speaking to her. And so here I am in the middle of I may be here today. You don't know Jesus. And if you want to know, I want you to raise your hand now. And no, but, no, but he has to do it. So Steve, raise her hand. Go on. And she didn't even want to. (laughs) 
And, and, and if you really mean it, if you really mean it, I want you to come down here and I'm going to pray with you. And all of a sudden, she doesn't really want to come, but the Holy Spirit brings her. <laughs> so now she, she becomes a Christian, but that's not it. Now we want to teach her a few things, don't we? We want to help her. So uh, because she's a lady, I think, well, this is a job for Jane. And so Jane, come and help her. And Jane, so Jane's going to say, well, I need to teach you um, uh, how to read your Bible. And uh, so, so they begin to talk about how to read the Bible, where to start. Don't start in Lamentations, can you say that? <laughs> right? Don't start in Lamentations. You'll get there eventually, <laughs> both in your readings and your life. But tonight is a happy night. <laughs> but you see, what's really important, we're called to make disciples. And so Jane's doing her job. She's making disciples. But the real disciple maker is him. So let's have this slide where it says it's a personal or something. It's always personal. So what, what, what's important is that he's being involved right from the word go on this. And so, so maybe you can give her your Bible for a moment. And so she's reading her Bible. And, but, she's, but Jane told her, when you read your Bible, don't ever read it alone. The Bible is the one book in the world that you can always read in the presence of the author. You can't do that with any other book. But with the Bible, if you wish it, and if you invite the author, the Bible says that men spoke from God, 2 Peter 1, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So not only did the events occur in the Bible, but the way they're written down was inspired by him. So he's the perfect reading partner, don't you think? And so maybe just sort of point at something for her. And show. So he's going to show her things. In the Bible. Jane, Jane can sit down. Her job's sort of done, isn't it? He can, he can. Now, of course, now what are we looking at? A foolish, a foolish wife. What? <laughs> Holy Spirit, quickly, take it to something else. Now look, I know we're having fun, but let me ask you this serious question. How many of you read the Bible like this? And how many of you don't? Because we need to do it this way. Lord, will you just help me? Now, now, we're not talking about you getting some spooky interpretations of the Bible, yes? We're not saying there's no, there's no place in the body of Christ for teachers. There are. There are certain things the Holy Spirit really can't reveal to you. He can't reveal to you. Or it's very unlikely that you're going to learn from him the coinage system. Of Corinth. You know what I mean? Some of those historical details. That's why Paul says to Timothy, study. And, and to all the preachers here, can I say this? A desire to preach without a desire to study is a desire to perform. So we can only pass on what we know. And there are things that he can teach. There are things that scholars and Researchers can teach, but, but, that's all, but in terms of someone's life and the word of God coming into someone's life, that's something that only he can do. So he's going to teach her to pray as well. So she's going to finish reading her Bible and, and, uh, and then he's going to teach her to pray. Why don't, you, why don't you teach her to pray, lift her hands and, and help her. And, and then one of these days, something amazing No, it would, it would start smaller than that. Yeah. Hold, hold the mic. First of all, it would, start with, um, it would start with carrying the piano. It would move to cleaning windows a little later. 
At some point you would get, and this was the size of the one that got away. (laughs) And at some point, something amazing is going to happen. As she's lifting up her hands, lift up your hands, go on. And and why don't you put your hand on her head? And all of a sudden, (laughs) She's not just with him. She's now talking like him. Yes. It's always dangerous having a couple of characters like this behind me, and I don't know what they're doing. Hallelujah. But, but isn't this what it should be like? And now Patience wants to share her faith. She wants to share her faith with Sophia. So why don't you go and share your faith with her? No, hang on here. So she's trying to persuade her. And then she remembers, oh, hang on, there was a sermon somewhere about how I need the Holy Spirit to help me in evangelism. She said, Holy Spirit, will you, will you come and will you help me? And now he's doing the same thing to Sophia as he did to her. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I said, patience, you know, you just think that all that applause was for you. (laughs) I want to show you one more thing. Steve, stay stay with me. So he's going to be with me forever. Forever. Forever, Lily. (laughs) The master architect. Whoever that was. You old sea dog, you. I'm talking to Steve now, not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so I want you to imagine. So everywhere I go, I want you to follow me. Everywhere I go. And I'm not going to go fast for you. <laughs> so everywhere I go, I, I'm, he's never going to leave me. So I'm in a difficult scenario. I'm now meeting my boss and he wants to fire me or, or even hire me. Oh, Lord, will you just... And I just lean into him, just so I can lean on. I just lean... You know, he's there. Now, you don't have to live like this. You can do this, you do, you can do this by yourself, if you like, but it's, it's not going to work very well. But I want to lean on him. Or I'm going through a difficult... Maybe I'm ill and I've not been healed. That happens, doesn't it? So the grace in First Corinthians that heals people is the same grace in 2 Corinthians that helps people through their illnesses when they're not cured. And so he can, he can touch me and he can, he can heal me, but other times he can just simply help me through life. They're both his role. He's the advocate. He's come to help me. He's the Holy Spirit. And everywhere I go, he won't leave me. It doesn't matter where I go, what I do. He won't leave me. Watch this for a bit of controversy. I go through a backslidden period. He won't leave me. Now, if you go through a backslidden period, you're not smart. Right? You're not smart. And some of your friends might leave you. And some of your joy might leave you. And some of your wisdom might leave you, but our God won't leave you. Now we're going to do one more thing. This is what it's like to be a Christian. Now watch this. Because I've been building up to this now for 20 minutes. This is the bit. <laughs> this is the bit that I've been, that I've been waiting on. Everywhere I go, he just, we won't go anywhere. Without following me. Now sometimes I might be aware of him. But you know, don't you, that 99.9% of the time I'm not aware of him. And yet I can't shake him off. Now here's the bit where it changes. Do you want to grow up? You do. What do we mean when we say that we're, we have the anointing? Well, this is what we mean. Now I'm going to follow you. Off you go. This is the anointing. This. 
This is the anointing. This. Wherever he goes, I go. Within range of a microphone. Oh, I really want to know the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Great, just do this. Yeah, but Brother Dingling hasn't prayed for me yet. Just do this. Well, I want God to use me. Just do this. And the Spirit said to Philip, go to the chariot. Now, what was happening? What was happening? In Acts chapter 8, we read it. Philip was having a revival. Signs and wonders. Cripples walked. Demons left people. How many of you would say, wow, we better stay here? We'd better put this on Facebook now. Someone get a graphic. The Samaritan outpouring. Tickets, $12. (laughs) Listen, but what does the Spirit say to him? Leave the crowd and go to the one. Now, do you know what we would say to Well, I rebuke you, Satan. I'm not leaving this revival. The devil wants to take me away to talk to a eunuch on the M1. But the Spirit says... We are going to talk to a eunuch now. So, well, the Lord's not using me in, in miraculous ways. If you just listen to him and do what he tells you to do, you are being empowered and anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, just follow me again. I can live all my life like this. And um, touch me on the head, Steve. Every now and then, I can, you know, I can have an experience. (laughs) I'm waiting for the third one to come along. (laughs) But, but, and most charismatics live their life just like this. Most of us live our life just like this. Every now and then, oh, look, ooh. There's a conference on. Maybe something will happen. But you can live your life every day. Let me follow you again. Like this. This is, this is what it should be. Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to marry? Where should I live? When should I leave my job? What ministry should I have? How should I serve you? Who should I talk to today? Amen? Amen. Give Steve a great round of applause. Hallelujah. Let's finish with one more verse in Acts chapter 21. And then we're going to pray. Acts 21 and verse 7 gives us something very, very special. It says, we continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemus, where we greeted the brothers and we stayed with them for a little while. And even the next day we reached Caesarea. And this is Paul and Luke talking with we. We reached Caesarea. And we stayed at the house. Everyone say house. house. So we went to his house of Philip the Evangelist. And when they walked into that house, look at that verse that follows. The Holy Spirit was not just in Samaria, in his meeting. The Holy Spirit was not just with him when he went and had a chat with a eunuch. The Holy Spirit was in his house. How do we know? Because they were prophesying in there. If you want to eat at the house of Philip the Evangelist, don't ask one of his daughters to say grace. 
we can all decide. We can all decide who lives in our house. Paul prayed this prayer at the end of 2 Corinthians. He said this to them. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship, the friendship, right? Fellowship is friendship. Fellowship is two fellows in the same ship. And the friendship, Greek word koinonia, friendship, togetherness, social gathering. May the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.